Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. You know, we understand that we're not only called to be good stewards of the money we've been blessed with, but we're also called to share our ideas and our collection of resources so that we can be a catalyst for impact in our communities. That's what this show is all about. It's a way for us to shine a light on some amazing organizations that are doing wonderful things to help make our city a more caring and compassionate place to live and work. We hope that by sharing how our guests are making a difference, it'll inspire and encourage you to use your passion, your talents, and your resources to be a catalyst for impact. I'm an ambassador with the Waukesha County Business Alliance, and I hear a lot of discussion about workforce development. That encompasses a wide range of activities, policies, programs in order to sustain a viable workforce. And even though Wisconsin's unemployment rate is lower than the national average and hovering around 3%, give or take, depending on your source, which is an all-time low, by the way, getting the right people in the right jobs is a goal we should all aspire to. Today, we'll be talking with two nonprofits that are bridging the gap between those counties and corporations with job openings and qualified people looking for a good employment opportunity, which will provide the ultimate win-win for Wisconsin and continue to keep our own employment numbers low. My first guest today is Pastor Jerome Smith, founder of the Joseph Project. Welcome to the show, Pastor Smith. Jill, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so excited to be here. We are happy to have you here today. Now, your personal story has quite the message, Pastor. You were on the fast track to success until you were stopped in your tracks, quite literally. Uh, We had met at our office prior to this interview, and we had an opportunity to get to know each other, and I, I got to hear your story. You attempted to take your life by shooting yourself at point blank range with a 45 semi automatic handgun. The gun fired. The bullet struck you, but it never pierced your body. Amazing. Just amazing. Tell us tell us what happened. Well, Jill, first let me tell you that uh, the guy that you see sitting here today, I haven't always been this guy. There was a time in my life when everything was all about Jerome Smith. Mm-hmm. It was all about me. No matter what I did, how I did it, it if it didn't benefit me, it wasn't going to happen. But somehow or another, some things happened in my life that caused me to have a relapse. Uh, everything began to fall out. The whole bottom began to fall out. And I thought I had it all. I thought I can do anything I'm big enough to do. And I was going to do everything I was big enough to do. And one night I was sitting on my sofa in my home and decided that I'd really messed up my life. I had nothing to live for. And the Bible says, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And I carried a 45 semi-automatic with me at all the times. And I pulled the gun out, looked at it put it to my chest, and pow, I pulled the trigger. Mm. The gun went off. The bullet hit me. The impact from the bullet knocked me completely out. When I came through, my wife was in the kitchen beating the gun with a hammer. I felt myself. There was no blood. There was no hole. There was no nothing. Only God could have done something like that. And that was life-changing for me. At that time, I woke up the next day, got got there, and my cousin called me. And she said to me, what's going on with you? On last night, the Lord woke me up about 2 a.m. and told me to pray for you. And I'm thinking, wow, are you serious? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and she said, what's going on? And, and reluctantly, 
I began to share with her what was going on, what was happening, and what had happened the night before. And she began to cry. She began to say, you need to talk to my pastor. And I'm, I remember looking at the phone and, and saying to her, I don't need to talk to your pastor. At the time, I wasn't in church. I wasn't trying to be in church. I was trying to live the life, right? And I said, I don't need to talk to your pastor. I put my pants on the same way he does. <laughs> in fact, I probably have a few more bucks than he do. Mm -hmm. And she started crying some more. And she know I hate to hear her cry or see her cry. And so I said, okay, I gave in. And I called her pastor. He did not answer the phone. And I said, mm-hmm, that's just like a fella. Never around when you need him. And so I hung up with her. Lo and behold, a few hours later, my house phone rings. I answer it. It's this pastor. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I thought about it. This dude got caller ID. <laughs> so, you know, he, he saw my number on his caller ID, and he calls me back, and he says, this, this is Pastor Robinson, and I'm calling you back, and, and, and uh, is something going on, and how can I help you? And I began to share with him what had happened, and he shared with me. He said, you know, young man, he said, God has a purpose for you. You just need to surrender to God's will. You need to give your life to Christ and get in church. That was Saturday morning. That Sunday morning, the 15th, I walked into the church at 5422 West Center Street. At the time, it was called the Good Samaritan Church of God in Christ. And I walked in there, and I sat way in the back. And here's this six-foot guy coming down the aisle saying, will you try God? And I'm thinking, this guy's trying to get me, right? And he's trying to get me to a point, to a level to have a relationship with Christ. And I joined church that day. And when I joined church, my life just changed dramatically. I gave my life totally to the Lord. He took control of my mind. He took control of my heart and my soul. And my focus totally began to change. And for me, things become more about others than myself. Mm -hmm. And I found out that it's far more rewarding to be a blessing to others than to be self-centered. And so I thank God for that opportunity. And I stayed in that church for 17 years. 17 years I stayed in that church and served that ministry. That church moved uh, to 52nd and Burleigh, and, and, and God touched and said to me, I need to start a ministry. And so I started the Greater Praise Church of God in Christ. And what do you know? I went back to 5422 where it all began and bought that building and put the ministry in there. Mm. God has been good to me. Mm. So your, your focus shifted from yourself to others, right? Amen. And uh, one way you were reaching out was to help some of the unemployed men from your neighborhood. Um, Wisconsin's unemployment numbers are pretty low, again, around 3%, compared to our neighbors across the pond in Michigan and south of us in Illinois, for example, whose numbers are around 4.5%. So tell us why the Joseph Project was formed and how it's helping to keep our unemployment numbers down. Well, I'll tell you, the Joseph Project, uh, it all started with a group of pastors meeting on a weekly basis. Uh, we met an individual by the name of Orlando, and we began to meet. And in our weekly meeting, we would have discussions on what were the problems that we saw in the community that we could figure out a way to overcome. And we realized at the time that Milwaukee seemed to have um, a massive devastation with drugs and crimes and, and things of that nature. And, and what was the culprit? What was the main thing? And we discovered that the problem was employment. We needed to figure out how to help people get jobs. Mm -hmm. And after working at this thing for so long, it seemed like we were never, ever going to get anything off the ground. Just so happened, uh, Orlando ended up going to uh, Sheboygan County one day, 
And in the midst of meeting with some officials over in Sheboygan County, he discovered that they had 4,000 job openings and not enough people living in the Sheboygan market to fill those positions. Mm. And he calls me up and he says, hey, Pastor Smith, he says, I was in this meeting and this is what I found out. Do you think we can do anything about it? And I was like, man, absolutely. We got the opposite problem here in Milwaukee. We got an abundance of great people who really want to work, you know, but they don't have the jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he said, well, can we meet? At the time, I was out of town, and I said, you know what, when? He said, can we do it tomorrow? I said, I'll tell you what. Let me get a hold of some pastors. Let me call my wife, get my wife down there, and let's have this meeting. I said, I won't be there, but you guys have this meeting. So he brought in some people from Sheboygan, and I sent in a bunch of pastors and my wife. By the time that meeting was over with, my phone was blowing up. Everyone is calling me saying, this is something we really need to look at. We can do this. And it's like, well, we say the employment rate in Milwaukee is about 3%. Okay, let's, let's, let's be realistic. That might be Wisconsin, but in Milwaukee, where I live, in Milwaukee on my block, in Milwaukee in my community, it ain't quite that simple. Right, It's right. far greater than that when you look at the African-American community. And so we figured out, let's do this. So I got back home, and I called Orlando. I said, we need to figure out a tour. So we got a tour going. We went out there. Let me tell you, I had hummus. I don't do hummus, guys. I, I don't do hummus. It's not for me. I like my beans and my peas to be whole, but okay. I had hummus, and, and I met some great people over in the Sheboygan County Economic Development Corporation, and I took some tours. And uh, we came back, and on our ride home that day, we created what we call the Milwaukee Initiative. The Joseph Project, it didn't even really have a name when we started this thing. We just called it the Milwaukee Initiative. And we got back here, and we knew we were going to do this. Within about three or four weeks, we had our first class up and running, mm. up and running. A guy came in by the name of Scott Bolstead, put together a sweet curriculum, right? And we put this curriculum together. We met. We All of a sudden, we don't know what's going to happen. We're like Bugsy Siegel at Vegas on the first day. <laughs> it's like we got this thing, so let's see what happens, right? So we're sitting at the church and all of a sudden the door opens and people begin to walk in. We had about 17 people walk through the door and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we started, we start our orientation and out of, by the time the week started that Monday, uh, a company showed up by the name of Kohler. Kohler came in, the guys did something that they had never had an opportunity to do in their life. Interview the interviewers. So they interviewed the company on Monday on Friday, 14 people were still standing because everybody who walked through the door, everybody who make it into the Joseph Project class does not necessarily make it out, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had about 14, 15 complete, about 15 complete. And out of the 15 that completed, they were all made job offers, right? Nice. One goofball, I call him a goofball, he know who he is. <laughs> he failed the drug test and everyone else got the job. Company came back on Friday and made them offers right then and there. Within about three weeks, because it took about three weeks to get the onboarding process done, drug tests, physicals, tours for them, October 26th, we had our first class September 28th through October 2nd. October 26th, those guys got on a shuttle, a church shuttle, and went to work. So the biggest barrier was transport getting them to work. So we moved that with the church shuttles. So those guys got on that shuttle and went to work, and I tell you, there is no greater feeling than seeing these men and women go to work. 
I imagine. Yeah. Talk about the dignity and pride of work. Absolutely. Awesome. Wow. That's such an awesome story. I mean, we have so much more to talk about in depth in the next segment. Um, and we'll we'll get into that, into the nitty gritty about how that whole thing works. Um, but you've said that a great deal of the issues within our community stem from lack. Uh, lack of dignity, lack of hope, lack of great paying jobs, or the ability to get them. Stay tuned to hear Pastor Smith tell us how the Joseph Project, along with some corporations like Kohler, have taken this challenge and turned it into opportunity. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm sitting here talking with Pastor Jerome Smith from the Joseph Project. Okay, Pastor Smith, you mentioned that many of the issues in our community stem from this idea of lack. Can you explain or elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely, Jill. I believe that a great deal of the issues within our community stems from lack, lack of hope, lack of great-paying jobs, lack of the ability to get themselves to great paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Right now, when you look at uh, the Joseph Project, when you look at the city of Milwaukee, again, we talk about that 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 devastation of poverty. Mm-hmm. And the Joseph Project is doing everything within its power to alleviate that 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 devastation. Okay. Okay. Well, so let's dive into how the Joseph Project is helping to, to change that devastation and, and change that reality of, of, of lack that many pe- people experience. So you have told me that you had 453 participants yes. who have completed your program and 307 have secured jobs. That's great. 307. I'll take that number every day. Yeah, that's awesome. So take us through the process. Well, it's real simple. The way it begins, it starts off with what we call an intake section. We run intake at the church, 5422 West Center Street, every single Wednesday morning, 945 a.m. All they have to do is show up, be there dressed for impressed, dressed to impress, have a pen, have a resume, and be on time. Come with a great attitude. Once we go through that orientation process, there's a trick question we ask them. We ask them in a trick question, are you here because, A, you need a job, or, B, you want a job? Big and difference why do we there, say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why do we say that's a trick question? Because most people walk in the door, say they're there because they need a job, right? And I tell them real quick, and I, I kind of bust their bubble, Pastor Smith is not here to help people who need jobs. Let me, let me say that again because I want to be clear. Pastor Smith is not here to help people who need jobs. I'm here to help people who want a job, people who want to work. Because when you want something, you're going to do everything in your power to do what you need to do. You're going to be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be, and you're going to do everything you're supposed to do. When you need something, the problem with a need is when a need is met, it has no more value. So we're not here to help people with needs. I I need a job because I need to get my car fixed. When the car is fixed, then that job has the most value to you. Mm -hmm. So we're here to help people who want the job. As we take them through that process, then we do a soft background on them. We vet them personally. We look through thorough through their lives, make sure that what they said on an application is true and what we find. We're not here to nail you because you have a bad background or you've had some history in your life. That's fine. We understand that. What we want to know is that you're a man or woman of integrity, Mm. that you're willing to speak to what has happened to you in your life, own it, 
and show us that you survived and learned something from it. And much like me, you've transformed from it. And now you want to do better for your life. And if that's you, we want to see you. We want to help you. Mm. And that's how we make it happen. After that, we bring them in for a one-week course. That course goes Monday through Thursday, only four days, three hours a day, nine to noon. We give them courses, spiritual fitness, conflict resolution, resume building, time management, goal settings, just to name a few. And I'll tell you, you should see the look on their faces in the end. We bring in professionals, volunteers, people from the Waukesha County Business Alliance. They show up. People from various banks, various major corporations, they show up and provide mock interviews. You hear what I said? Mm -hmm. Mock interviews to give them an opportunity to test their skills and give them some strong pointers. A young lady named Ginger over at the Senate office, give them some strong pointers. And let me tell you. When we talk about the Joseph Project, I have to make it known. Joseph Project is, yeah, I heard you say earlier, I'm the founder. The Joseph Project is co-founded by myself and U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. And I thank God because he's been a great help. Awesome. Awesome. So I love what you're saying, all those good things. That it's it's wonderful. And differentiating between a want and a need, I think that's that's important. It was spot on. So So someone comes to you and they say they want a job and mm-hmm. they are willing to lay it on the on the line go through this transformation process that you're talking about and mm-hmm. do what they need to do in order to to uh, uh, become successful so they go through the inquiry they go through the drug testing they go through the education and mm-hmm. you've got some key people in the community again we talk on the show a lot about collaboration and I was at at uh, an event last week um, with Revitalize Milwaukee, and and the topic that came com- that kept coming up again was lack of collaboration. You know, we we come from a very resource rich area. It, it's wonderful, amen. But we have to be able to collaborate and share those resources. So it's wonderful to hear that you've got people coming in, organizations that are saying we support the Joseph Project. We want to help. How can we do that? And that's that's key. Again, that's what we want to be able to highlight on this show. So people come in, they educate, they help them with their resumes, uh, they go through mock interviews, as you said, and then they go to the interview. Now, again, you've had 453 participants who have completed your program. 307 have secured jobs. So you're continuing an uh, you know, an upward trend, obviously. Yes, ma'am. Um, and you've got some great numbers that you're working with. So tell us a little bit about some of the organizations that you're working with in Sheboygan County. You had mentioned Kohler. We work with various companies. We kind of... Uh we kind of don't put companies out there like that, and the only reason why is they have ver- various rules and regulations within their organizations when it comes down to media that they don't want to be basically put out there. Okay. Uh, so we kind of keep that on the wraps out of respect for them. Okay. Uh, but I can tell you that we work with uh, organizations like Sheboygan County Economic Development Corporation. I can tell you we work with organizations like the Waukesha County Business Alliance. Sure. And those guys are very helpful with teaming us up and matching us up with the companies that need what we do. Okay, awesome. Well, so if you had to sum it up, uh, what would you say are the keys to your success? Number one would be God. Without God, we can do nothing. If he did not have his hands on this, we'd be in trouble. I tell you, my bishop says something all all the time, and I stand by it. If God can do anything, he can do everything. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two is having a relationship with various organizations. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson's staff is 
awesome. They play a major role in working with uh, all of the training courses and the workshops, putting that stuff together, uh, interviewing, making sure everything falls in place, uh, employer relations. God has just blessed us with a plethora of great people who are trying to do something. And one thing about the Joseph Project, in my mind, is doing something that I've never seen anything else do. It is breaking barriers between denominations and religious worlds. Mm. So you got Catholics, you've got Presbyterians, you got Lutherans, you got Kojic, you got Baptists, all working together for the better good of man. You've got Republicans, you got Democrats, all working together to pull this thing off. Black people, white people, brown people, all working together. And to me, that's the key to the success. Absolutely. The key is people. We got great companies that's making exceptions that ordinarily wouldn't be happening. Those are the keys to the success. Awesome. That's great. Um, thank you, Pastor, for sharing how you're helping keep the unemployment rate down by helping men uh, and women find a great jobs, men and women who want a job, right? Amen. Um, we appreciate all your efforts and your passion to help. Thank you for all you do for the community. Amen. Amen. We all understand that programs that help people with special needs find rewarding jobs pays major dividends, not only for the workers themselves, but for our entire community. Wisconsin's Department of Workforce Development is working on building community partnerships that will leverage public and private resources to help serve individuals with special needs and improve employment outcomes, which is a topic that we were just talking about with Pastor Smith. Stay tuned to hear about an organization that's helping to bridge that unemployment gap with some pretty amazing people. We'll be right back. Forgettable experiences. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest is Brian Page, Senior VP of Advancement at Shepherds College. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, Jill. Pleasure to be in here. In the prior segment, we were talking with Pastor Smith about ways the Joseph Project is helping educate and place people in jobs. We're talking about the unemployment rate in Wisconsin, all kinds of good things. Our neighbors to our south have a little bit different numbers. But he talked about how his outreach got started in his church and with the help of fellow pastors. And your story is kind of similar. Uh, Can you share with us how you ended up being involved in the world of special needs? Uh, Absolutely. Um, My wife and I have a son who has intellectual disabilities, so he was um, born now 22 years ago. At the time, he had a bleed in his head, and the doctors basically said that he was never going to walk, talk, sit up, roll over, anything. Um, One of the nurses said he's probably going to be a vegetable. Mm. And so we didn't really know kind of what the journey was ahead, but um, we've watched over time as he had to have a shunt placed, just um, a variety of challenges, um, times we were on vacation and it looked like he was having a shunt malfunction and um, other times when it seemed like he was having a seizure, he's been helicoptered several different times, um, had to go through special needs classes, but really a miracle kid um, at the end of the day because um, the very things the doctors said um, that he was never going to be able to do mm-hmm. actually did come to pass. Um, so he started walking at 18 months. Um, but again, for us, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, we didn't think that he'd ever be able to go to school, but gradually started learning how to read and how, how to write, um, of course, at a lower level. Um, so that's kind of the introduction that our family had. 
um, watching him eventually get to the place where, you know, going from the, the walking to the running, doing Special Olympics, doing track, learning how to swim. Um, it's it's really been pretty amazing just to see what God's done in his life. Mm. And so this was, uh, I think when we were talking prior to, you were, you were explaining that this was kind of birthed out of a, a need from your church. Uh, well, f- for us, it was kind of a combination. So for where I'm working, you know, with, with shepherds, it's it's part of that. But, but within our church and a lot of other families that we knew, because the world of special needs is so unique. It's mm-hmm. kind of like my wife would say, you don't know what you don't know. And so once you're in it, it's it's kind of like anybody else that kind of goes through, whether it's a health challenge or whatever the case may be. Then you start researching and you find out, oh, there's this resource out there. Or there there's this other opportunity. And so... Kind of tied to our church, we started asking other people just, you know, what they were doing for their particular child. I mean, everybody's disabilities are different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so in Benjamin's case, because it was tied to a bleed and being premature, um, he was born at, um, he was actually eight eight weeks early. Um, and so that was that was part of the issue. And so in trying to get him out to save his life, they believe that is he actually had a rupture on his brain. Oh, okay. Um, and so that's kind of what did it. So church-wise, I mean, our church and others that we found were kind of involved in trying to figure out ways that, especially as kids grew out of the infant-toddler stage, what do you really do? And that's kind of where Shepherds kind of was doing the same thing, you know, essentially 61 years ago. Okay. And again, we, we talk so much on this show about collaboration, sharing of resources. We were just saying in the prior segment with Pastor Smith that – we live in a very resource-rich area, and it's wonderful. Right. But we need to get a little bit better on collaborating and and sharing, so people are all aware of the opportunities that are out there. Exactly. And that's uh, a big reason why we do this show. So, so you got involved with Shepherd's College. How, and and what is your role within the organization? Well, I, I got involved really because um, we got to the place where as Benjamin continued just to grow and get older, um, one of the challenges that a lot of parents have is that what do you do when your child transitions out of high school? What are the other options? I mean, if they're in a situation where realistically they're maybe not independent enough to go off on their own to college. I mean, I have an older son who's who's 25, almost 26, and he went to college. My wife and I both, you know, college grads and went on to get master's degrees. My wife's working on a doctorate right now. So you, you look at all that, same thing with our, our parents. So we had a history of that. That was mm-hmm. kind of kind of an expectation. Um, for Benjamin, that's something that we desired, but realistically you didn't think that that really was possible. And so we were kind of, as you talked about, all the resources. Sometimes you don't know what's out there. It's probably right. one of the, the great things about the Internet. You, know, you don't have to go to a library and sit and try and uh, you know, look through encyclopedias and dictionaries and things like that. You can have everything kind of right at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing resources, um, um, you know, our own research, talking to some of the, the resource individuals at the, the, um, the special needs school he was going to. And from that, found out some other different places there were options. And one of them that came up was this place in Union Grove. They said, have you heard of Shepherd's College? And I can remember I was on a business trip in Arizona at the time, and my wife called and asked me about it. And I said, no, I've never heard about that. And she said, it's this you know, this post-secondary college that trains kids in appropriate independence, and they've got a track with culinary and horticulture and technology and I'm like, what? You know, and for us, you know, being less than a couple hours away, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. And so that's kind of how we found out about the school. 
and then decided that we'd come up and do a tour. And, you know, of course, you find out some of the other history about, um, you know, how Shepherds, similar in our own lives, was started, you know, like I said, 61 years ago. Um, basically, a family had a son that had special needs, and they were like, um, asked their Sunday school class, what can we do to possibly help kids like this? And that was kind of a challenge. And so now, like I said, all these years later, the college comes about. And then in my process of my wife and I yeah, going through seeing the school, I mean, we we cried, Jill, walking around the campus mm. of just thinking like, you know, asking Benjamin, like, you know, what do you think about this? And then he just said, um, my oldest name is, is Harold. And he just said, I'd love to go to college like Harold did. And it just was so powerful because we realized part of the tagline of Shepherds is finding hope and fulfilling dreams. But it just showed Benjamin had his own hopes. He had his own dreams. Um, We had had them for him as well. But the fact that he could look and see that I'd love to go to college and be able to be in a community and get to grow with other people and know what it's like living with a roommate and kind of growing to another level. And so once we, you know, went through the whole process and got them enrolled and the fact that it's accredited, you can get financial aid. I mean, it's just so many different blessings that are really tied to it. Mm. Um, one day I was um, approached about possibly um, our, our new president, uh, Tracy Terrell, who's terrific and really the one who basically took the roadmap to get the college up and running back starting in 2008. He um, asked me, was I interested in possibly being a board member um, maybe even um, serving in some capacity staff-wise. And uh, as I mentioned to you, I wasn't looking for a job, but it's hard not to after you you know, you know spend time praying and really kind of looking at all the options and knowing that this is a place that we could sink our own teeth um, and make an impact not only for our child but for so many other kids that are out there that and families that don't know if something like this exists. And, and need it, yeah. Right. Now, you come from a place a little south of the border. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Windy City area. That's right. Um, so so I think it's important for people to know that, that kids are coming from all over, right? right? I mean, you, in your role as Senior VP of Advancement, um, what are you doing exactly in that role? Are you going out and recruiting students from all over the country, or are you just a awareness hmm. of the organization? Tell us a little bit more about your role within the organization. Well, it's, it's kind of a combination. So um, from an advancement standpoint, just in terms of pure college, it's my role is really to raise money for the school. So obviously work with them. We have, we have a great donor base, um, you know, a lot of people that have supported Shepherds over the years. So, of course, trying to expand that net, get other people um, aware of Shepherds College, that it's out there, kind of tell them some of the various projects that we really have that are going on so that they can, they can get involved, but essentially really support the ministry. Um, we kind of work on, you know, as, as a lot of um, nonprofits do, kind of an all-hands-on-deck approach mm-hmm. where uh, everybody wears multiple hats, um, so you have your one regular job. But if I'm out and I'm visiting with the protect- particular donor, you know, then there's no reason not to mention also that we're looking to recruit for new students. There's no reason not to talk about um, opportunities to volunteer. 
Um, so we kind of all really try and make sure if you know if we're if I'm in an area that a church wants someone to come and speak, we don't pretty much just go ahead and say because um, nobody has you know that unlimited barrel of resources that well we'll send somebody back out next week. Mm-hmm. Then you know we try and make sure that we'll spend time going out and letting them know really about the impact that they can have in in a lot of different ways. And you're a perfect person for that because you have personal experience, right? You know you exactly. you're right there. You've seen. Uh, the growth and and the wonderful things that are happening with your with your son. That's... Well, we we know part of the um, the whole aspect of trying to train these kids. Uh, my wife and I saw is that you know looking at Benjamin at the beginning, you know just learning how to wash and dry his own clothes, things things that you take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to start cooking your own meals, um, going back and forth to class, you know managing his schedule. So it it really was um, interesting. But you also realize as parents how sometimes we're so involved in we could do it faster, we could do it better, we'll just do it. And then you swoop in, and then it stops, stunts the opportunity for them to grow to the next level. You know, yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, we, we all do that uh, with all of our kids. You right. know, ultimately we want them to have self-sufficiency, you know, and, and we as parents, I mean, I'm totally guilty stepping in and doing <laughs> things that uh, uh, my parents did not do for me. And so I'm thinking, well, I want to do this for my kids, but right. ultimately they have to go through that experience themselves. They have to learn uh, themselves. So you want to be sure that people understand that there are educational opportunities available for special needs populations, specifically people with intellectual disabilities. Right. So what we're talking about then as far as the percent of population that has an intellectual disability, um, we're actually going to be back in a moment to discuss that further. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Brian Page from the Shepherds College. So we've been talking about resources that exist to serve the special needs population. Um, So how many are we actually talking about here in this demographic, Brian? Well, I think a lot of people are surprised, Jill. 6.5 million people which is the population of L.A. and Chicago combined, actually in the U.S., have an intellectual disability. Wow. They actually say approximately 3% of the global population has an intellectual disability, so really as many as 200 million people. My goodness. Wow. So there's there's a lot of people out there with an intellectual disability, no doubt. Right. Um, uh, why don't you define intellectual disabilities? You, you we use that term, so let's let's get a better understanding uh, about what that is exactly. Well, typically people would kind of describe an intellectual disability as someone that has a below average mental ability, and then on top of that, kind of a, a lack of skills that would be necessary for daily living. So that's kind of how it's described. And how does that... Um, I mean, when when I think of intellectual disabilities, I think of autism. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we pretty? Is that pretty much the population um, that we're talking about, or does it go beyond that? Well, a lot of people would kind of talk about it in terms of being IDD, so okay. intellectual and developmental disabilities. So it can be autism, Down syndrome. As I said, like in my son's case, it wasn't that he actually deals with those particular areas, but because of a traumatic birth that's caused him to have significant delays. So you so you find that, um, and then there's other, of course, disabilities that aren't into intellectual or cognitive, um, that individuals, you know, are struggling with, you know, visual impairment, you know, wheelchairs, you know, um, things of that nature. Okay. Now, you had mentioned previously um, the, the term appropriate independence. Mm-hmm. What exactly is that? 
Well, for Shepherd's College, it's kind of like our foundation. So we really say appropriate independence is our philosophy. And we really define um, uh, appropriate independence as really self-sufficiency that's aligned with our, the strengths of each individual. And for us, as a Shepherd, as Shepherd's College, it's really kind of all guided by Christian principles. So we have four principles, essentially, that we really focus on. We like to think about every individual is designed for a purpose and for a purpose, that we're created as individuals for community, kind of like what you and I are doing, because mm-hmm. even individuals that have disabilities, intellectual disabilities, they want to be part of a community, part of a family. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is that our purpose is to train for life. And then our last point is that our goal is to empower individuals to serve. So for us, when you look at every single individual that's out there, we all have various abilities. But the fact is, is that when you think of appropriate independence, it really means that you can do as much as you can do. It's it's not trying to go ahead and put everybody in the same box. I mean, it's kind of like people driving for that matter. I mean, you've got people that we can all go through the exact same place to get our driver's license, but everybody doesn't drive the same, unfortunately. (laughs) That's for sure. Right. (laughs) I think something about people south of the border maybe driving a little bit. I thought it was the other way around. See, this... (laughs) Zing! Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) I digress. That was was good. See, it's your show that I have to be on my good behavior. (laughs) We've been talking about coveys and brewers, you know, we've been having those conversations. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we could go off on all kinds of tangents, right? Um, So so I think it's important for people to understand how they get in touch with you, um, what the process is if they have uh, a child or or a uh, relative that is interested in pursuing these opportunities. Mm -hmm. How do they go about the process? They can actually go to our website, which is uh, very rich. So they could look at shepherdscollege.edu. So that's that's one of the best things. So we're located in Union Grove. Um, you know, on the website, it has all sorts of other pieces of information. Just of course, the address, um, the phone number. Um, they can look at ways that they want to get involved if they would like to. Of course, we always are looking for new donors, which which is great. But people that they may want to come for a tour, they may want to volunteer. Um, our AVP of marketing put together um, this this year a phenomenal magazine that's called Soar Magazine, um, and so I think that there's a lot of other things that people can really look at. We have events that are going on, open houses. We do college for a week, so there's plenty of places that someone can really plug in and get involved. And I think if someone of nothing else looks at the website, we've got videos on the website. They can get a real feel. But of course, there's nothing better than coming and actually seeing the campus um, in person. And the last thing I'll say, Jill, and we do have students from all over, not just all over the country, all over the world. We've had students from Hong Kong, um, all the various states, um, a a very diverse background um, as well as racially diverse um, population of students. So it's it's really very incredible just to see. Wonderful. Well, I would encourage uh, our listeners to go to the website. They Mm -hmm. can call you, Brian. Right. Absolutely. If they have questions, you want to throw your number out there? Sure. They can call 262-878-5620. Um, and again, I'm Brian Page. They can ask for me. Um, we do have uh, another Brian on campus, so, but um, he's more than uh, willing to help as well, who's uh, a terrific gentleman as well. All right. So check them out. Go to their website and uh, see all the neat things that they have going on or call for a tour. Uh, I want to thank all my guests today, Pastor Jerome Smith from The Joseph Project and Brian Page from Shepherd's College. Thank you for all you do to bring education and employment opportunities to some very special people. 
If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com and listen to the podcast. You can also ask Alexa for help by saying, Alexa, play WISN AM 1130 on your Amazon device. You can also tune in via the iHeartRadio app. Join us again in two weeks as we talk with other inspiring guests who will share information about how they're having an impact and making a difference regarding issues that affect our community. We've all been blessed with the opportunity to make a difference somehow, some way. We hope this will inspire you to use your passion, your talents, and your energy to get involved with a local nonprofit in your community and bless someone in some way. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great weekend.